Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. Interested to know how many people would skip by this episode because they would read the title of it and do exactly what we're going to talk about today, which is no, 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 that, that's not that's for not me. me. That's not me. That's not me. So maybe we don't title the episode this then. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have walk- to really creatively think about the title. Yeah. But we are going to talk about mindfulness practices in the classroom, yep. what this looks like, why this is difficult for a lot of educators why it is so critically important to our students' emotional well-being as well as their academic well-being, and just some easy ways that we can incorporate mindfulness practices in our own lives as educators, but also in the lives of our students. So let's start off by talking about why we just said so many people, if we were to title it mindfulness or something about mindfulness, why a lot of people would say, oh, I think I'll skip that episode today. Uh, Because I don't think a lot of people grew up understanding what mindfulness is, right? I mean, if you think about it, even our generation, mindfulness has not been around for that long in in the grand scheme of things of research and studying. It just has not. A lot of people have a misconception of what it is. They think that it's meditating or doing yoga, which which that, can be. 100%. But in its essence, mindfulness is basically just finding a way to be present and where you are and being able to Use your senses to kind of reconnect in that moment. Even saying that, growing up, I'm like, oh, man, that's so, like, hippie-ish. But ain't nothing wrong with that. It's, 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 the, it's the bias, I think, that we have towards it that's been ingrained in us since we were little. And our parents, too. It's just something we didn't grow up learning about. And we have to normalize that. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is part of what social-emotional learning is all about and why I am so excited that we were able to really um, dive into a lot of reading and a lot of research during this season Mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time truly understanding. And a lot of things we already, we've understood on our own personal journeys. We have reflected back to our classroom practices. And there were a lot of things that we just did naturally, but there were a lot of, you know, things that we could have done better, obviously. But I think that it is the whole concept of just talking about emotions. I mean, I think about my journey growing up through school, and I do not recall a time, and I apologize if my teachers did this and I just don't remember it, but I truly, truly do not recall a time in school where it it was you know, we, we talked about emotions or we had those conversations. It was kind of a, you know, leave your emotions at the door. School is not a place for that. You come to school to learn. And that's what we do here. And emotions are for your parents to handle or your caregivers to handle. But when we really dive in and think about, you know, what social emotional learning is, just because kids walk into a school building doesn't mean that the social emotional needs and skills and, and things that they need to actually be able to function properly throughout the day emotionally stop too. And so, but I think you're so right. First of all, it, it's like a 
it's like a faux pas to talk about, you know, with our our generation, I think, just emotions in general. But second, it is the, you know, stigma that's attached to it. It is the misconception of I need to be out in a quiet forest Mm -hmm. and I need to have my yoga mat and my water and then I'm going to turn on some quiet music and I'm going to cross my legs and, and like, Again, that's, that's amazing. Fine if that's like, what works for if you. If that's what works for you, but mindfulness, the, the power of mindfulness is exactly what you talked about. Is that the fact of being able mm-hmm. to find the power in the present moment. Right. And for me, that is somebody who suffers from anxiety, that is incredibly powerful. But I think that every human at some point in the day, maybe multiple times throughout the day, needs to stop bring themselves back to the present moment because as you and I have read through our research and we've seen and we've read case studies on, mindfulness in the classroom allows students or just allows humans in general to to make better decisions, right? Mm -hmm. It also increases their productivity. Mm -hmm. It increases their focus, their awareness, which then in turn increases their academic success. And so we just kind of want to have a a conversation about this today and talk about what is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. We've kind of already, you know, taking a little dive into that topic and that definition, but how does this work for each individual teacher? And I think that it's very similar to what we talk about when we talk about student engagement, right? That there is not a one size fits all model to engaging our learners. Every teacher in the teacher in the building doesn't and shouldn't teach the same way. We've got to find what works for us. And the exact same thing is true about mindfulness. So if you have been like us in the past, Mm Just because of how we've been raised and mm-hmm. how we've been raised in this a specific generation, and it's like, whoa, whoa, mindfulness is uncomfortable. It, it's like a you got to get quiet, you got to really dive into your feelings. That's not for me. I'm not quite there. Hang on, because mindfulness is what you make it and what you need it to be, and there is so much power in it. And it, it's it's exactly like what we talk about with teachers and how to create an engaging classroom or engaging lesson and teach in your own specific way. You can't ask your kids to do something that you're not willing to do, too. And so if if you are listening to this right now and you're like, huh, I do want to give this a try later on, we suggest you start with yourself first. And and we're going to give you some strategies on how and how to do that. And what's the real focus of being mindful and being present and um, and how that looks and how to be consistent with it. It's, It's not something that you just do to do it it becomes a lifestyle. And yeah. what it does is you, you'll start being mindful and you'll start doing these practices without even realizing it when you're in the heat of the moment and whatever's going on. That's why being mindful and doing these mindfulness practices are so important because it just sets you up. It just sets you up for when you are in a circumstance to where your body and your mind can adjust to whatever's going on and whatever's being thrown in your way. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, during this time period have been like, why are you guys focusing so much on self-care? You know, you've always focused so much on engagement mm-hmm. and rigorous practices and content. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't gone anywhere. No, we're not saying not. again no. that these two worlds cannot coexist. Mm-hmm. And that is why when it comes to social emotional learning in the classroom, it's not about a lesson plan. It's right. not about saying, okay, today I'm going to read a book about social emotional learning. It's truly how are we embedding this into our everyday walk and our way of life in the classroom for our students. And you're so right. You know, when it comes to social emotional learning and mind is a big piece of that. It has been proven through studies that students will not be 
as successful with their own social emotional learning and in working on these skills and enhancing mm-hmm. these skills and learning these skills if the teacher's practices for social emotional learning are not there. So it's not a matter of, okay, here's another thing they want to put on our plate. It's another buzz term, which we've talked about why it's not a buzz term, but it's another buzz term. So I'm just, I'm going to do it because I have to do it. You might as well not even start. Don't even do it. Because we already know anything that we're doing just to do, we're not going to do well. So why would we waste our time with that, right? But recognizing how, you know, and for us, we've seen, you know, specifically during this season, which is why we have really gotten passionate about our research and our study, but just the the direct correlation, the direct correlation that the teacher's yep. well-being has to the student's academic success, which we are educators. We're trying to grow them academically. And so for me, you know, focusing on myself and recognizing that has a direct correlation to my students' well-being, I've got to start with myself, like you said. Yeah, and you have to. And um, it's not one of those things to where you, it costs anything. This is something that's free. Right. This is something that is, it's not a product. It's not a subscription. It's, you don't have to spend money on this. All you have to do is just take a leap of faith and have a good, good outlook and a good, um, a good vibe when you go into it. Like you're you're trying to do it. Yeah. I always say you have to commit. Like that's the first step. You have to commit to something and then you have to figure out a way that you can do it consistently, right? Because that's the key Mm -hmm. to seeing if anything is going to work, to seeing if anything is going to have the outcome that you desire. It's the consistency. And then once you get it to where it can be consistent, because anything that we're able to do consistently, we're able to manage it, then it can become sustainable practices for your classroom. And so when it comes from to mindfulness, the same thing is true. We've got to figure out what can we commit to? What can we commit to implementing? Not just when we need to, not just when we feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't done this in a couple of days, I should probably do this, but how can we commit to making this a daily part of our classroom routines? We've talked again about the benefits of this and about the benefits of mindfulness and what it can do for our students, but also for the teacher, right? Uh We've talked, you know, just about stress and the teacher and 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 stress is not always a negative thing like no, stress can push yeah. us to yeah, better ourselves to, stre- yeah, to stretch ourselves to grow mm-hmm. right yeah but but handling that stress i mean if you are stressed uh, to where you are feeling overwhelmed but it's a good stress still overwhelming yeah. and so that's why mindfulness can be so powerful and and it doesn't take a lot of time out of your day either and scheduling it is the best piece of advice I can tell you to do. You schedule it out just like Hope was talking about. And we'll talk to you a little bit more about that in just a second. But finding that time in the day to where you can be consistent with it every single day um, is so, so important. Unhealthy stress. That's what we want to talk about as teachers. And we know that that has presented itself in many different forms and capacities during this pandemic specifically, but all the time in education. Teaching has never been an easy job and it's never going to be an easy job. And, um, you know, recognizing that there can be an unhealthy level amount of stress and how that can directly, you know, equate to teachers' absences because yep. there's a high percentage of, or there's a study that shows a high percentage of students or teachers' absences is related to stress-related causes and issues, which I think we would all say, and all the teachers said. Amen. Amen, that's Mm -hmm. right. But also just how it, in the classroom, how we posture ourselves, how we're, how we have the capacity to handle the difficult situations. And if we're stressed, we're going to have a shorter fuse. We, a lot of times our biases come in, we're not they able to, yep, to really not patient. process mm-hmm. and be patient with those and be mindful of those. Yep. And so we're just reacting. We're not being proactive. We're being reactive mm-hmm. and that's never a good mm-hmm. situation. And so that's all a result of being, uh, of being highly stressed in the classroom. And so what as teachers can we do about that? And I truly, truly believe that it starts with an awareness and 
and recognizing it, right? That's step one. But then we can't just be aware of something and know that it's happening and not do anything about it. And so the actionable step is that mindfulness piece. Okay, I have this knowledge. I'm aware of it. Now, what can I do about it? That's where we're able to take just that pause, that moment, that second Mm -hmm. to say, let me bring myself back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that's truly what mindfulness is. Now, how we get ourselves back to the present moment can look different for people. It's not going to look weird. It's not going to look awkward. I mean, for example, I mean, if, if if you are someone, if obviously if you're a teacher, we, we want you to to try this uh, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to relate to your kids and what they're experiencing and going through the difficulties they're having with it. And so definitely, definitely you, you need to take your first step first, uh, forward first. If I were a teacher right now and I was listening to this, I would sketch. So let's say you drop your kids off at their activity, right? They have that activity during the day. Come back to your classroom if you're able to. Literally takes a minute, one minute, one minute. Mindfulness is just being present in the moment. You don't have to turn the lights off. You, you can just sit behind your desk in a chair in your room, close your eyes, and just listen to your room. Listen to the air conditioning. Listen to the creaks. Listen to the kids outside one minute. And what that does is it draws, it trains your mind and trains your body to be focused on what's actually happening in that moment. When we get stressed and we get overwhelmed, most of the time what we're doing is we're thinking about the future or we're thinking about the past. We're thinking about obstacles that can come up in the future. We're thinking about mistakes that we've already made in the past. We're worried. We're stressed out. We're overwhelmed. Being mindful and being able to be present in that moment inside of your classroom for one minute, just listening to what's happening right now will ground you and will enable you to be able to do that and adapt to whatever's thrown in your in your way after you start doing this consistently and you won't even realize you're doing it, you'll train your mind to be able to understand, okay, this is what's going on right now. And you can't expect your kids to start doing that and helping them learn how to self-regulate. If I mean, they're, they're students, they're kids, they're children, right? And so allowing them time one minute, one minute out of the day is is not that much because I guarantee you, if you do that, they're, they're not going to be thinking about issues that may, I mean, they probably will, but not as much. And then they'll be able to learn more with you. A lot of people will say, and they'll use the excuse, I don't have the time in the day to do mindfulness practices. We've got to teach these standards or we've got to get to this unit. Well, I guarantee you, if you're practicing mindfulness, you'll be way further along in your long range plans than if you aren't practicing mindfulness. I mean, the kid that's sitting there who struggled with whatever at home coming into, that's all that kid's thinking about right now. Yeah. We have to focus on the present and, and equip them the best with that we can. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, I have been someone in the past. I mean, Wade knows this about me and it's just my personality and my character. I don't, I'm very, I'm extremely passionate. I, it is easy for me to show my passion. It is easy for me to show my passion about anything, truly anything that I do, I pretty much am passionate about. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about teaching. I am passionate about being a mom. I am passionate about designing and creating your teach-on conferences. I am passionate about my faith. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are very easy for me to show my passion. But when it comes to emotions, that is very different. That is something that I keep for private. I don't really like to express my feelings. I don't like to show, it's even awkward for me to talk about right now. I'm trying (laughs) to find my words. I'm like, I don't even like to like, if if, if Wade is upset about something, I'm like a, you know the Sheldon meme that they're They're there. there. They're there. there. Like I feel like Sheldon guys from the Big Bang. I'm so weird. I'm 
That's warm so fur. awkward. Little I don't. When people are upset about things, I just want to run away. I don't know how to handle it. I'm like, what do I say? What's the right thing to say? What's the wrong thing to say? I've never been, I guess I, I feel like my dad is a lot like this. And so I guess I take after him. I'm place the blame on somebody. And it's got to be him. They're there. But um, my dad is very much a there, there person. Even with Maverick, I'm a there, there kind of person. It's just how I am. And so for me, that's part of the reason that I really started diving deep into the social emotional component and really learning a lot because it's something that I have felt very uncomfortable with in the past. And not necessarily so much with my students, I don't think, but just with situations in general when it comes to discussing and talking with caregivers and parents mm-hmm. and just all those types of people in my school building. And it, it can be very uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah. But I think that, you know, when you, if you are listening to this and you're thinking about your own mindfulness practices in the classroom and ro- what role that plays, a lot of times we're like, no, no, I don't need that. I'm not the kind of person that needs that. Like you said, mm-hmm. every single human needs mindfulness practices. And when I really started struggling with um, anxiety, that's when I really started focusing on meditation. I thought it was weird. I was like, my therapist was telling me, hey, um, I hope <laughs> this is what you need to do. It was um, not that, but people think that. You, you need to sit. And it was kind of what you already talked about. Close your eyes. Think about five things you see with, you know, just even the colors in your eyes. Five Uh things you hear, five things you smell, like going through the five senses, right? And I was like, this, I'm just just being honest, guys. I'm just being transparent with y'all. I was like, this is the freaking dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, does he not understand? Here it is, like a professional therapist. And Wade knows our our therapist is incredible. He is. We've we've even told him we really want to get you on a podcast episode, but we can't. can't, Because he's our therapist. therapist. And I trust him. And like we have worked with him for six years almost now. So, anyways, when he told, I was like, "This is the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard." I'm like, "How hmm. does this guy not understand that?" Like, "Hello, hello, I'm an anxious individual. This is not helpful. I need something that is going to fix the problem." But I, you know, trust him enough to commit to it, and I committed to it. And I am telling you what that one minute of my day mm-hmm. could flip and flip a switch for me completely. Mm-hmm. So. For anybody out there who is like me, you're a Sheldon, you're a there, there, very awkward with your emotions. You, Yeah, you need to be like pet, like a kitty. I'm just telling you, there's extreme power when you commit to things. And so like Wade said, as a teacher in the classroom, you know, yes, we have a million things to do during our planning period. And no, we don't always have the time. Make the time. Because this could be something that just allowing you to find the power of your present moment can totally transform the way that you see situations, the way that you respond to situations, the way you react to situations, the way that you build those connections with your students, that level of trust. The answer for all of that, if you're struggling, could be very well be mindfulness and being aware uh, of being present in the moment instead of thinking about all the millions of things you have to do and then taking that out on your kids because that happens. I've been there, guys. That happens as educators. I mean, all all these things are real, and I think everyone can identify with feeling that way, feeling irritable or tired or exhausted or angry, and you go home and you're like, man, I really shouldn't have spoken that way today and we're not saying that this is a, is a cure is a cure all but no. but hope and I are here because we've always committed to sharing things that that work and sharing things that don't work and this is one thing that absolutely does help and the only way to 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 help your kids is to help yourself yep. and we want to encourage you and I know this it, it's, it's kind of like this is very salesy that we're doing this for mindfulness, but guess what? We're not selling anything. Like this is free, and we're so passionate about it because we've seen the impact that it can make. And we you, think about your kids inside of your classroom. Think about 
how beneficial this could be for them. And it's not coming in. I remember when I was in elementary school, and you probably do too, coming in after recess, all right, kids, put your heads down for five minutes. That's not what this is because you'll go to sleep, right? This is not being, this is not going to sleep. This is not a woo-saw break time, nap time. This is being intentional, being intentional about uh, creating that discipline to be focused and training your mind. And if you think of it that way, it's totally different than, than what we've been preached to our whole entire lives about meditation, about the, oh, or the kumbaya. Like, no, this is, this is hardcore discipline, yeah. training your mind and your body to be able to adapt. Uh, it's, it's almost to the same degree of, I was in a CPR first aid training one time after all of the mass shootings. And they, and they, they said people who, physically exercise or they've played some type of sport or they put their themselves into some type of activity consistently, habitually that gets their heart rate up, their reaction to different crisis scenarios is a lot more logical than people who don't do that. And it makes perfect sense. Like if your heart rate's up and then you have to make a decision you're used to doing that because you've practiced that, right? If you never practice that and your heart rate never gets up and then you're put into a situation, you're going to make some mistakes because you're not logically going to be able to think on what's the right thing and, and, and the proper thing to do. Same thing goes with mindfulness. If you're, if you're practicing it intentionally every day, one minute a day, at least when a crisis or a scenario comes up in real life, and let's just say you're out in public, you're, you're flipping that switch already to be able to become mindful, to logically think and logically react or communicate without even realizing it because you've trained your brain to do that. And that's why mindfulness is so important for us and our kids socially, but also selfishly, which is not a bad thing uh, for, for, for everybody. So uh, we're, we're super big advocates on it because we've seen uh, the, the great outcomes from But I also think with parenting, right? It's very difficult it's not just for to teachers. switch yeah. as a parent. It's very difficult to go from difficulties, struggles in the classroom, behaviors in the classroom, and then come home. And a lot of times, you know, we have you're educators ask yep. us, you're, you're carrying that. And how do I mm -hmm. not take this out of my own kids? Mindfulness. Truly. Mindfulness. You know, allowing yourself, even if it's on the drive home and the kids are getting out of the car and you stay in the car for one minute before you walk inside, right? To, to really become present in the moment that you're in and recognize, mm -hmm. hey, I'm no longer in my classroom. I can't live in the yep. what was, I need to live in the what is. And I think this plays such a big role for educators as we are switching, you know, from the classroom to our homes and recognizing that, hey, these are now different children, different, right? These are different yep. children with different mm. needs, different abilities, different capabilities, different struggles, different strengths, different weaknesses, different things they're going to stress us out with. But what happened in the classroom is in the past, I've got to be present in the present moment. And if we don't stop and allow ourselves time to really mentally make that shift, then most of us are still living in what was happening during the day in our classroom. And then yeah. when issues arise with our own children, then we're reacting based <laughs> on what the situations were in our classroom and, and not the situations in the present It's not moment. a fix-all, though. Like, it's, I mean, you, you, you'll still carry some of that because we're humans, right? But it'll, it's not going to hurt. It's going to make it better. Right. You're, you're consciously going to think about, whoa, Right. This is a separate scenario. Hilarious. I'm not even. I'm not even in the same community right now. That's I'm in. Right. A, I'm in a neighborhood. I'm not at school anymore. But I mean, it's again. It's not a fix all, but it definitely def, definitely does help. And I love how you said, "Yeah, just sit in the car for just one minute." If you can't sit in the car for a minute, get inside. 
get the kids, whatever they're doing, find somewhere for a minute. Lock yourself in the pantry or the bathroom. And then whatever. just look. Whatever you have so to do. For one minute, challenge yourself. What do you see? Okay, I, I see I see a, a cup. The cup is yellow. The cup has gray on it. What else about this cup? It's got a hand. So you're what noticing. What do I hear? What do I? It's, you're it's noticing those things. It's literally as simple it's as that, not, guys. It yeah, is not anything that difficult. takes huge, like, it's not an Albert Einstein kind of project. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not anything that takes a lot of brain power. And I know it sounds so weird. Like, you really want me to name the color of a cup? Like, and every detail about it and what I hear and what I, I'm just telling makes you. you makes I'm you. just telling mm -hmm. you. It, there is there. First of all, it's science. There is so much science. There's so much research and studies to back sure it up. Is. So don't have, you don't take it from us. You can research about it yourself. But there is just so much power to it as well. Um, also, one of my favorites is the Calm app. It is a form of meditation, but it walks you through step by step, and you can choose different time periods: five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever it is that mm -hmm. you need. But that is a great method as well. So you can use the grounding principles like we shared about using those five senses to really bring yourself to the present moment. You can also use something sim simple like the Calm app. Or you can look up, there's other apps, there's other things that you can do. There's yeah. YouTube tutorials, there's all types all of things. All types of things, guys. For mindfulness. For free. But now let's talk about what this looks like in the classroom with our students. Because again, we've kind of focused on our own personal self. And, mm -hmm. and it is so important for us, especially if this is something that we are going to bring into our classroom to be able to model for our students and talk about the power yeah. of it and why we need to do it. But again, I think as teachers, just like I shared, and I'm just sharing a personal story, because I don't like to talk about emotions within myself or my own family even. Even. Of course, I don't want to talk about emotions in the classroom. And that becomes very difficult and awkward. And like, what am I supposed to say to students? And how am I supposed to respond if they say this? And mm -hmm. I'm just an awkward human. But that is not an excuse. Awkwardness is not an excuse. It's fine to be awkward. It's going to make you Who uncomfortable. Cares? It's good to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's good to challenge yourself. It's good to push yourself. And that's what I have I have chosen to do. And I'm not a professional at it by any means, and I'm not perfect at it, but it's something that I'm trying. And it has made such a difference for me personally, but also professionally and working with others. Um, so when it comes to the classroom, again, very same thing is true. And I, I, this really isn't so much for the younger kids, because listen, Whatever you're about, younger kids are typically going to be about. Like if you tell your it's your just kids, part of the, it's just part of the, the the day. Hey, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about. Younger kids are going to do it, okay? Typically, most of the time, younger kids are going to be like, whatever, this is great. Like this is they're going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's when we start getting into that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, middle school age, or even high school, because then in high school it becomes really awkward because now you're asking them to close their eyes and and meditate or think about their feelings and emotions, like. Most people are going to be like, okay, this is going to be super freaking awkward. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I need somebody to help me out with this. But again, I think this is where you show up as your authentic self. It's not something that you have to make super flashy or, hey, guys, we're going to do this really cool activity. It's an honest conversation with them about, hey, I want to talk to you about something that I do when I get really frustrated or that I do when I'm really stressed out. It's something that's really helpful for me. And then you share with them how it is that you do that. And maybe you explore different mm -hmm. practices together for middle schoolers, for high schoolers. This It's all about the way that you set it up and about how you show up to it authentically and about how you share it, how you discuss it. And so, you know, obviously mindfulness is going to look different for every single age level. Mm -hmm. I can absolutely see. And when I taught specifically fifth, sixth, and seventh graders, and if I did something cutesy and fun with asking them to close their eyes and think about the clouds, okay, that's not going to, that would not have, maybe your kids, yeah, no. it would be fine with. The students that I taught specifically, 
it would be a giggle session, a giggle fest. It would be something, it would just not go over well. So again, that's where you talk to them like they're adults. That's where you treat like they're adults and you don't talk down to them because that's when it gets silly and funny. Like why is Miss King acting or treating me like I'm a two-year-old? It's where you have these very real conversations with them and talk about different scenarios and situations in their own lives where that could be practical, right? Yeah, and I mean, the, the way that you do it is you, you have to know your kids first, just like Hope was talking about. I mean, and it's... I guess not everybody has to close their eyes either. There's all different types of ways. And the way that I would go about it, if you are hesitant, is is the using your eyes and what do you see? And you're guiding them through that. And obviously, before that, just like Hope said, you're acknowledging how this works, what this looks like. We're part of a team. This is what we're going to do. Not talking down to them. Not talking in a weird way. It's fine to be awkward, but, but don't. Right? Yeah, yeah, I Bring mean, you're, you're, coaching you're, you're coaching them up. Right. And you have athletes visualize all the time. Right. And and what and, and what you're doing is you're literally just asking them for one minute. And it's fine if you start thinking about something else. Just take a minute, take a deep breath, and then bring it back. That's fine. If you start giggling, that's fine. Take a deep breath, bring it back because it's different. And you're consistent with that. And so if you were to start this, you would just say, All right, for one minute, I want you to you, they can sit in the floor, they can sit at their desk, but you ask them to pick a wall inside of the classroom or a window or whatever it is, and they're looking in that particular spot for one minute, and they're noting things in their mind that they see because that's present. That's what's in the room right then. You're not asking them to imagine anything. Right. Don't ask them to imagine anything. That's not what we're doing. That's not what this is about. It's about being present. You can do the same thing for listening. Let's listen. Let's listen for... Um, inanimate sounds. So the air conditioning, the creaks, the foot, uh, not footsteps because that's a human, but what are some things that you notice inside? And then you can go to human noises. You can do tasting, you can do all different types and it only takes a minute. And if you only have a minute during your day, that's great. If you teach high school, what better way to, to break up your lesson because you're departmentalized or when they come in and it's the expectation every single time, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to go. And let's go for it. So, I mean, the more you're consistent with it, the less awkward it's going to be. And then obviously there's mindful practices, you know, that you can teach students for how they can be mindful when they're aggravated, mm -hmm. how they can be mindful when they're worried, how they can be mindful yep. when they're sad. How So there's, you know, there's all different types of mindfulness practices. Today, we focus more on really being in the present moment because that's what helps us with our decision making. And we're talking about ourselves as educators when we're making decisions, you know, on the fly all the time, 24-7, mm -hmm. yep. along with our students making decisions. We always talk about responsible decision making. Part of that is mindfulness, right? But there's all types of mindfulness that we can practice, again, associated with all different types of emotions for helping students figure out, okay, what is it that works for me when I'm angry? What is it that works for me when I'm feeling worried? What is it that works for me when I'm feeling, you know, frustrated or whatever it may be? And these are the skills that we're giving kids to really walk through a social life yeah. and to be able to be contributing members of society and to be able to have those social relationships right. and to be able to make that responsible decision. Mindfulness is such a huge, a huge part of that. And so we do have, I, we're not, like you said, we're not, this is 
free. Mindfulness practices, you can look up all over the internet and there's all types of things that you can do. We did create a freebie as part of our social emotional learning course. And it is more so for like kindergarten to fourth, fifth grade, more of an elementary approach. But you could also download these for middle school and high school teachers just to give you an idea and maybe you could modify them. But they're basically like mindfulness task cards or um, something that you, it walks you as a teacher step-by-step through mindfulness practices. And there's five different categories. And it's like for things when they first come in in the morning, there's things to get them refocused. There's things for, to create um, empathy within our students. But mindfulness practices for five different categories. And it kind of walks you through the procedures and process to teach students different ways to practice mindfulness that might be beneficial for them in the future. Because that's our hope is that we expose students to something, right? It's about exposure. And then they're able to take what they need and use it in their daily life. And so you can find these at shopgyto.com. It is the mindfulness freebie. It will ask you to put your address and I believe even credit card information in. We are not, not charging, charging you anything. You. It's just part of the platform, guys. That's a place that you could start if you're as a te- if you're sitting there as a teacher, like, okay, this is something that I want to try for myself. I also want to try it for my students. Yep. I don't really know. I'm I'm the hope. I'm, I'm the super out. awkward human. And I need for those scripted lines to really walk my students through this yep. process. I wanted to provide that for you guys. So anyways, we hope that today was encouraging. We hope that it gave you some food for thought yeah. to really be mindful about the mindfulness practices in your classroom to really think about the process, the procedures of your day, and how we're implementing moments to be really find the power of the present, but also allow our students to find the power in that as well, um, because it truly does really just help and aid. Like you said, it's not it, it doesn't change everything. It doesn't solve all the world's problems, but it helps us just process and to be able to move throughout our day. And when things are thrown at us, we're able to be more mindful, right. be able to think about how we want to respond to this versus just reacting, reacting. off of a whim. That's so. Right. Anyways, be mindful, guys. Practice mindfulness. There is power behind it. Find a way that it works for you. Crush the myth and the stereotype that it has to be in a certain place at a certain time with a certain sound. Um, And normalize these conversations with students. I feel like the more we normalize this, the more we give power to young people and to the next generation to grow up in a different way to where emotions are something that it's normal to talk about and it's okay to talk about and it's okay to feel Mm -hmm. lots of different things. And that next generation is sitting in our classrooms right right. now. So if that doesn't motivate you to think about mindfulness, I don't know what does. But anyways, you guys, we hope that you have an incredible week. Keep doing the amazing job that you are doing, teachers. You are rocking it. You are killing it. You are phenomenal and you are enough and doing enough. Make sure you take time for yourself and we will see you next week for another episode of the new EDU. Bye, everybody. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.